There's a place I go to when no one knows me. It's not lonely. It's a necessary thing. It's a place I'm made of. Find out what I'm made of. The nights I've stayed up, counting stars and fighting sleep. Let it wash over me. I'm ready to lose my feet. Take me off to the place where one reviews life's mystery. Steady on down the line. Lose every sense of time. Take it all in and wake up. That's my part of me. Day to day, I'm blind to see and find how far to go. What's up guys? Welcome to the Political Petty. I am your co-host Jensen Ahokovi. And I am your other co-host Vincent Jones. Thanks for joining us here today on episode 1 of the Political Petty where we are going to be talking about the Trump administration. But before you do that, go ahead and give us a subscription on iTunes, give us a download on SoundCloud, and how about you guys give us a listen on Spotify. All right, before we get into things, Vincent, how was your day, bud? Today has been great, Jensen. Do you know why? Tell me why. Because this is... Enlightened me. This is the first time we'll be able to actually record this podcast. (laughs) You know, Vincent, funny thing is, to all you faithful viewers out there, I believe that this is... What is this, Vincent? The fourth 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 attempt. The fourth attempt. We had three fails at recording, and we had four, four in total. And I believe that this is our first successful one. And um, you know, to all you guys, to all you guys listen, out there listening, uh, you know, we were actually supposed to release this yesterday on uh, January twenty first, Martin Luther King Day. But uh, you know, unfortunately, we ran into some audio problems that uh, you know we we yeah. couldn't fix. But uh, we we don't need to speculate on that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, thank goodness that we are here today. Yeah, that's all that matters, really. Yeah, all right. Now, let's dive into some current news, Vincent. But first, hit us with the uh, stock market. Yeah, so today the the Dow Jones is down 300 points. But to me, there are some worries that it could be a... um a sign of a large global economic shutdown, but I don't Jesus think it's a big deal. Christ, hey, I'm Vincent. just reading the headlines. Holy I'm just reading the cow. headlines. Uh, we all know the big... Uh, Let's ja- not be a pessimist, <laughs> man. Come on. Well, we all know the December um, fall of the stock market, and I just think this is one of those like daily up and down, so I don't think it's of much concern. Yeah, you know, the stock market does dip and it does you know rise but uh you know we we really can't predict that that's why we hire stockbrokers uh you know but uh it's not easy it's at least it's not like the december dip which you know looked pretty bad for the economy that was like 300 plus points each day so it was was insane it was insane uh let's get to some top stories in the u.s today uh New York Times Senate leaders plan on competing bills to end the shutdown. That is interesting. Uh, oh. As I, what is it? Is it the thirty-second day of the government shutdown? Thirty-first, I yeah, think. It's, right. It's the longest in history. It's all. Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. Number keeps going up. Uh, visit. What do you think this thing's gonna end? Honestly, I think we will. We don't know because Trump and the Congress won't. Neither side will budge. I mean, like de- House Democrats, obviously. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. But uh, you know, we'll we'll touch on we'll touch on this government shutdown subject uh, later on the podcast. But uh, let's get on some other stories. Oh, this is another story we're going to be covering later on. Uh, if you're not aware, guys, there was a viral video that went out yesterday. Uh, it showed uh, a bunch of high school teenagers. Uh, you know, they were, I believe they were all wearing MAGA hats, but Mostly. they, yeah, they were being peace. They were being peaceful. They were all good. 
and uh, uh, apparently uh, the video the four minute clip that you guys probably saw uh, it probably showed that there was a Native American man beating a I guess a traditional uh, a traditional drum uh, and there was a kid who was smirking in front of the Native American man's face uh, you know this this video received a lot of backlash from the media you know they were all they're all smearing the kids there and uh, um, you know however an hour-long video actually was uh, released showing the full context well let me bring some um, context to those who might not have seen the original video yeah so a few days ago a short clip of a video in, in Washington it was like before the march uh, it was on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial yeah. so there is a, a Native American Vietnam veteran who was seemingly His doing name was Nathan Phillips yep, Nathan just Phillips. for context yeah Nathan he Phillips. was doing some sort of tribal um, what would you say? I don't know. He, he was he was with a group of, of Native Americans. Yeah, they, they had their they own were, march yeah, that day. Yeah, they were they were chanting. They were chanting, and uh, they basically, I guess, they kind of they kind of marched into the crowd of the of the high school kids, and I guess the high school the high school kids made way for for the Native Americans uh, marching through marching through their crowd. But uh, there was the I forgot the kid's name, but yeah, he was, he, uh, he, he's he, kind of notorious at this point. Yeah, uh, it, uh, I don't it's just the media, yeah. but uh, but uh, he was basically smirking uh, while the Native American man was beating his drum in his face. Well, uh, and even with full context, that um, these MAGA hat boys weren't as guilty as it originally seemed. Yeah, but that I, smirk I, still disturbs me. You know, Vincent, me. before we get into the whole story, uh, let, we'll, we'll talk about this later on in the podcast, so you guys stay tuned. All right, in world news today, uh, this is interesting. So the U.S. is going to proceed with the case against the, Hu the, I, I don't, the Huawei executive held in Canada. Now, this is interesting because I have no idea what Huawei is. What is it? What, uh, I have a no phone idea brand? what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is it, I think it's a phone brand. It's uh, a phone brand. I don't know. Do you oh. know anybody oh, with the Huawei? Huawei? Oh, is that what it's called? <laughs> Huawei, dude. That's oh. a pretty big brand. Oh, Huawei. Okay. What is that? Um, well, Are you phone... sure it's yeah, Huawei? It's, it's a technology company. I'm not... uh, it is, yeah. It says, well, a headline says U.S. intends to formally extradite Huawei CFO from Canada. Um, That's interesting. So, well, do you know anything about this? Uh, from here, uh, from what I'm seeing... Uh, it looks like they are going to be extraditing her on terms of, uh, I believe it's U.S. sanctions. It says something about sanctions in here. We don't really know. Yeah. But hey, if, <laughs> if any of you guys know anything <laughs> about the case, go ahead and go on our website, politicalpetty.com, all one word. Uh, so how about you guys scroll down to the bottom and send us a message, and we'll get back to you guys in 48 hours. So please, guys, if you guys know anything about the Huawei case, uh, how, we have no you, idea what this it is. It us. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's see here. Some more U.S. news. Uh, I don't know if you guys also heard, but a big bombshell was dropped today by the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court decided to, I believe, pass President Donald Trump's transgender ban in the United States military. Which is extremely unfortunate. But... Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> it is It is definitely a huge bombshell by the, uh, by the Supreme Court. And we'll certainly touch on that later on in the uh, in the podcast. Um, also, uh, some more from Business Insider: Nancy Pelosi has refused to allow White House officials access to the House floor for, I believe, the State of the Union address walkthrough. 
which is quite interesting. Well, she's been holding the State of the Union up for a few days now, right? Or just uh, today or since yesterday, right? Uh, what do you like, mean? Uh, like rejecting she, Donald yeah, Trump? Yeah, because she's been trying to hold back Donald Trump from making I the State of the Union address. I think she announced that like last week, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but, uh, uh, yeah, this is definitely an interesting situation. Definitely, definitely caused because of the because of the uh, government shutdown. Uh, when it comes to allowing the State of the Union address uh, occur, uh, I just I just don't know. I, I personally do not care for the State of the Union address. It's usually just the leader making his or her propaganda message. Oh, well, let's, let's no, no, I mean, propaganda both, seems like a well, strong word. Both, both sides do it. Like propaganda as in what they want to do, their beliefs. Um, I honestly don't think that it matters all that much, but it's clear that Nancy Pelosi just, he's, he, he, she wants Donald Trump to be not in the spotlight. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's a good point you bring up because, you know, it's basically giving Donald Trump, what, like, uh, an hour-long 200 million viewer speech. Yeah. In which, I, you know, you yeah, you brought up a good point. I think Pelosi just just not going through with it out of fear that Trump is going to stand there and bash the Democrats. Well, I think, I think um, a better reason for why she could be doing it is because she wants to end the government shutdown, and she's afraid that if she allows Trump to have his State of the Union address then he's just going to prolong his wall, right? And he's going to continue. He's going to continue it. Yeah, that yeah, that's well, I mean, conti- certainly continue the argument for for the uh for the wall. But uh when it comes to uh, you know, this specific article about the state of the union, uh I've heard that, you know, uh Senate leader Mitch McConnell wants to have it or has offered the opportunity to have it in the Senate. And I don't know if you guys saw this or if you saw this Vincent, but also the state of Michigan uh, sent out a letter to President Trump and offered to have their, uh, their I believe, their Senate chamber as also an option for the State of the Union address. It's very kind of Michigan. Yeah, very kind. Hey, anybody, if anybody is listening to Michigan, to, from, <laughs> if anybody is listening from Michigan uh, to us here today, uh, give us a subscription. You know, go ahead yeah. to our website. I mean, uh, I hope we have listeners from Michigan. Yeah, that, that's well, hopefully we love Michigan. Yeah, we love it. We love Michigan. All right. Uh, let's get some more business news in here today. Oh, I don't know if you heard this, Vincent, but uh, I saw this on local news yesterday. Okay. But apparently, uh, 10% of TSA employees called in sick <laughs> this week. God, is there some sort of illness going on? <laughs> I don't like know a, if there's something going around. Not getting paid illness I don't know something? what's going on. I don't know what's, what's causing well, this. But, I'll, I'll uh, say this. All respect to TSA workers and any federal agencies or federal workers that are going to work without pay because they have no incentive to go to work. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you know, huge shout out to TSA for all they do, you know, because it's, it's definitely rough, uh, you know, coming to coming to work uh, and not being paid for the work that you're doing on that day. It's it's definitely, uh, you know. And it's it's a really important job, too. I know, because they could technically just, you know, stay home yeah. and, and, you know, call in sick like the 10% of employees, which I'm sure the 1% of them were actually sick, you know. but uh, <laughs> Probably less. Yeah, but that's that's another cause of, you know, the government shutdown. We'll get into that uh, more later on into the podcast. All right, let's get into some technology news. Uh, Apple has released iOS 12. Uh, 0.1.3, uh, some big numbers there. No idea what that is. <coughs> All right, what else is there? Uh, let's see here. On the IndieWire, 
Apparently, Netflix has been receiving some backlash for the 2019 Oscar nominations, snubs, and surprises. Netflix is, is getting the backlash, or they're giving the backlash. Uh, apparently, it looks like Netflix is giving the backlash, but uh, if any of you guys know more about it, how about you guys ring up our line? Let's well, can see. we uh, talk? Well, Jensen, you, have you seen Black Panther? Oh, Vincent, is that even a... That's that's not even a question, Vincent. Of course I have. Do you think it deserved to be nominated for um, Best Picture in the Oscars this year? Ooh, bruh. Black Panther, Black Panther was good. Black Panther was good. I don't good. think it's a but Best I think, Picture I movie. Think, I think Infinity War. <laughs> I think Infinity War should have been nominated. Was it nominated? I don't no, know. I don't think either of them <clears throat> should be nominated, but I guess that's a different you well, know, that's different a, conversation <laughs> if you guys want to hear us talk about oscar nominations <laughs> uh, please let us know on the <laughs> website that'll be definitely an, an interesting uh, topic yeah. to talk about uh all right in sports i'm sure you guys all know this the rams and the patriots super bowl 53 i believe it's upsetting jensen it's super bowl upsetting. 53 uh vincent i i'm as I know, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if any of the viewers know, but you are a diehard Eagles fan. Well, well. besides that, obviously I'm disappointed they only made it to the divisional round. The games were rigged, man. Like, <laughs> let's okay, be honest. Right. There was that, there was that one play. That one? That one like play. Hold on, but there was that one play that really lit everybody's eyes up and really, you know, kind of, kind of answered everybody's question to, was the game rigged? See, and I'm I've sure we def- got the answer. I've from defended that. referees, right? I don't, I don't think they're rigging. I the think games. people give referees yeah. a hard time, you know. But I, that was absurd. But well, all, all, that everything, was, yeah, that was, yeah, that was. Uh, and obviously, we're talking I, about. Yeah, them. I've seen, I've seen that the the Saints are actually pushing for for a a, replay, a rematch Ooh. or yeah, yeah, a rematch of the game, which is which is certainly interesting. I'm sh- that would be an. I'm sure that move. that's definitely not gonna happen. Yeah, there's no way that happens. Definitely not gonna happen. But uh, you know, that's. That's really interesting. All right, guys. That was our current events section of the podcast. Now, let's get into the Trump administration. All right, Vincent. As you are aware, uh, we brought up the the case about the Covington Catholic students uh, early on in the podcast. Uh, and, you know, let's let's dive in more to that. We gave you we gave you guys, a, a, you know, some context, behi- some context behind that. And uh, I just, Vincent, what do you think about this? Because this this whole thing plays into sort of, you know, what you could call mainstream, uh, of course, the bias yeah. of the mainstream media. Because there was that four-minute clip that you guys might have seen on Snapchat or on TV or, you know, on, on other things. And that four-minute clip didn't have the chance to explain the entire, the, the entire you know, context of the video. And the, the video that was released uh, later on showing, showing the full... Uh, course of the events uh it really opened up the eyes of people because by seeing that four minute video and comparing it and contrasting it to the hour-long video that was released like damn like how can the media run this four minute video and yet not show the parts before it which completely you know completely contrast the four minute video show well i'll I'll be honest i i went i overreacted like crazy on this one because all i saw was a bunch of trump supporters and they were just attacking this poor native american veteran and then suddenly you see the full video 
and there's another group involved. Oh, yeah, then... that, no, so, yeah, you bring up a good point, because when I saw that video, too, that four-minute clip, yeah. like, I was, I was, I was disappointed, like, okay. like, this is why people on the, this is why people on the left, you know, call us, call us a bunch of racist, bigot, homophobes. Call you. <laughs> <laughs> Make that clear, I'm not, I'm not bunched in with that. People call me, call people like me. Uh, a bunch of racist, bigot, homophobes, and when I, when I saw that that nearly an hour long clip that was released, I was just shocked. Of, I was yeah, absolutely I mean, shocked. Well, but I want to make some, something clear though. I don't think any of the three parties are like fully innocent. Like I think all of them did something really odd and kind of disrespectful. Um, and especially, even knowing the context, that smirk on that one guy's face—you you have to admit—that looks pretty entitled, right? Um. Yeah. Okay. The smirk. The smirk is questionable. He he really. He looks. <laughs> lo- no, he looks pretty. He looks. He looks pretty questionable when it comes to that smirk. But uh, you know. Uh, the bottom line is this. Uh, the media. The the media shows you one thing, but it's up to you to to sort of you know dig deeper. In those yeah. kind of things, because you know, I got in a, I got in an Instagram argument uh, this morning. Oh, jeez! And uh, so, uh, some some guy posted the the image of the kid uh, smirking in front of uh, Mr. Phillips, that name of the Native American guy that was jumping in front of him. Uh, he posted a picture of um, of the of the kid, and he was smirking in front of uh, Mr. Phillips, and uh, everybody was commenting like. Oh my gosh, this kid has such a punchable face. Uh, you know, this, this Loki kid's... does, though. <laughs> gosh, it's absolutely terrible. Absolutely Sorry, terrible. Sorry, I apologize <laughs> to that but, kid. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was just these so much negative comments from all these people who didn't, who I'm sure didn't understand the full context, the full context of, of what was going on. And it's it's a shame because it's really what this country has has come down to, where you just watch the you just watch the four minute clip or you read the headline and you don't do anything about it. You don't yeah. read deeper into context or anything like that. That's a really good point you make about the whole country, because while I think we both agree that the mainstream media is most guilty of this. Remember a few weeks, a bunch of weeks back, actually, when the White House edited that clip to make it seem like that was it a CNN reporter hit the the White House assistant and oh then, and then uh, they, they edited Jim Acosta yeah Jim Acosta I think so it I mean was. yeah the White House edited that which was kind of odd so I did think it really I I'm they, not aware they, of that they was did that, yeah was it what really yeah so the White House actually took the clip and sped up the part of her of, I mean of the reporter handing the assistant or I mean kind of pushing the assistant aside they sped it up to make it seem like he really gave her a, a strong push, but it really, it wasn't like that. So I think mainstream media is guilty of it the most, but you got to watch out everywhere because just you, you want to make sure to double check your sources. Yeah, that's true, guys. You know, especially for, for um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming the majority of our listeners are, you know, the same age as us. And, you know, it's really important for them to, to take time and to, to read into these kind of things because uh, whether or not you, whether or not you, uh, you agree with me or Vincent? Uh, it's important that you guys search for your own truth because uh, I think that's that's the one thing that's holding this country together. That's people who who search for their own truth and not the people who who simply spit out lies on media or try to censor yeah try to types. censor certain things and you know basically brainwash people. 
it's it's insane it's it's absolutely insane and uh, f i mean i'm sure me and jensen are going to be wrong on a whole bunch of things factually wise yeah so, well uh, you know we're not perfect yeah. we're not perfect we're not ben shapiro right Vincent? oh god <laughs> i hope we're not like ben shapiro <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know uh and i'm not sure if uh the viewers are aware of this uh, but me and Vincent were, were talking about this uh, yesterday in our failed recording. But there was also that BuzzFeed controversy that occurred about last week or a couple, a few days ago, where BuzzFeed released an article. And it said that Donald Trump told his attorney, Michael Cohen, to basically lie in front of Congress about building a Trump Tower or some sort of Trump uh, construction plan in Russia. And. Um, Basically, uh, the left went nuts over this, uh, and I'm sure some conservatives did too, because that is a huge knock for the, if it was true, it was going to be a huge knock for the Trump administration. But uh, what happened was, uh, uh, you know, uh, a few hours later, or maybe a day or two later, um, Special Counsel Robert Mueller, the person who's uh, investigating Donald Trump under supposed claims of Russian collusion, who's particularly very anti-Trump, came out uh, in a statement, or a spokesperson came out in a statement saying that the article from BuzzFeed was basically not accurate and it was wrong. It was wrong. And uh, it, was, it was shocking to me because CNN, MSNBC, other news, outlets, other news outlets like that, they pounced on this story. They passed on it immediately, and they were talking possibilities of impeachment, this and that, and it blew up the mainstream media. And when the when Special Counsel Robert Mueller came out, it was really shocking for me to see the the mainstream media, like CNN, MSNBC, and other news stations like that. I I could finally see them at their lowest point, at their lowest point. Well, and it was I mean shocking. I, I don't know if this was necessarily like a lowest point for them, but what I find odd about this is like this is BuzzFeed, right? Like I've never associated yeah, okay, BuzzFeed yeah, with like this. This guy's is the news source that's supposed to be telling you, yeah, like which Disney princess you are most like, or they're supposed to be predicting which month you are born in by the foods you like to eat, or like which out of three foods are most worth it, right? Like <laughs> yeah, it's it's an, a, it's, it's, it's it's an strange. entertainment, right? Um, and so I mean. I'm not ruling out that BuzzFeed um, was correct. Like, it's still possible. And Robert, Robert Mueller could just be kind of covering or keeping it slow. But the fact that he himself, who's been against Trump, has Trump has denied the claims. I'm pretty... I'm almost certain that BuzzFeed sources were incorrect. Not saying that yeah, they, they weren't I, wrong. I believe they said the sources came from two anonymous federal agents. Yeah, is, so, like, what strange. does that mean? Right. Yeah, I mean, we, we could say that, you know, and you don't have to believe us at all. It's it's really interesting how this all went down. It's a huge debacle. Um, but uh, th that also brings in question the uh, the legitimacy of the, the Trump administration. Because we see, uh, if we see, we keep seeing these, these stories, and I guess you could call them fake news. Uh, and, you know, you don't really know which one's fake. Or which was true yeah. until you know later something comes out that refutes it, which which basically is is quite often really quite often but, really. And I think the thing about Trump is you can hear something that could be absolutely absurd to any other president, but to if you hear it on Trump, you're like, well, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, right? 
So yeah, it's, it's harder to separate the real news and the fake news. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's you know, there's also a lot of a lot of fake news when it comes to Trump's economy. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, Trump. I mean, <laughs> Trump. Trump says a lot of things about his economy. Um, I'm not sure if I could quote him on anything, but uh, you know, uh, the differences between Trump's and Obama and Obama's economy are, you know, actually not not that different. I think. I um, I mean, I, I'm sure everybody's heard it, but I really think that Trump <sighs> is at this point kind of piggybacking off of most of Obama's stuff. Trump has um, implemented his own Well, let's let's slow down there. Let's oh, <laughs> visit. Let's slow down there. I I actually think that Trump's for instance like his tax plan and his um, healthcare system. I think those have been damaging to the economy obviously. How so? Well, because he uninsured millions of people after he came into office. Um, so right now we have 12% of Americans that are uninsured. Uh, a 75% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, which is like a famous number. And wages have honestly been stagnant since the 70s. I guess he's not the only one at fault since nobody before him yeah, well, has okay, fixed the problem. Yeah, the, addressing the, the stagnant wages, uh, you know, really, really no one, it's surprising because no one really knows why wages are stagnant. Stagnant. Um, you know, the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said that he doesn't even know what's going on. He said, he said, and I quote, that he's puzzled about about the whole situation. And um, you know, I really wish that there was an easier an easier way to decipher this, but it's really it's it's a comp it's a complex problem. Well, I think. Uh, honestly, I kind of have to like disagree majorly on that because we know why the wages are stagnant. It's because we're not doing anything about the federal minimum wage, right? It's at seven twenty five. Um, if you look at the minimum wage back in the 60s and you applied the inflation rate, at this point, it should be well over $12. Okay, so, well, I mean, uh, addressing the federal minimum wage is one thing, but, you know, many states have been increasing their minimum wage. Yeah, of course. And it's, I, I believe, what was what state was it? Uh, New York. And New York, California yeah, $15. New, New York and California were actually considering raising their minimum wage to $15, well, which I personally think is insane. Well, no, well you have to but, understand the context behind um, those. I'm not sure about New York's, but I know California's. It's not an immediate jump to 15 It's a gradual increase, and by, I believe, early 2020s, then it hits 15 So the idea is to kind of um, gradually implement it, keep it up with inflation, and then in a few years have it at 15. So it would kind of limit the the economic shock that a $15 minimum wage would bring. And I think that's a system that we see Bernie Sanders and Nancy Pelosi recently introduced the that $15 a year bill and that's there's no way that's going to pass. It's going to die in the Senate. But I think that's what we have to lean towards and the next hopefully if a democratic candidate in 2020 will really run on that. Um, and you know we can see a $15 minimum wage in the su su near future. Yeah, well, um, good luck with that, Vincent, because uh, <laughs> I I don't see that happening. Uh, but uh, you know when it when it comes to wages, wages have grown have grown, but only slightly. And it hasn't uh, kept it, up with inflation that yeah. well. Well, okay. Uh, well, in December of last year, December 2018, wages grew 3.2 percent in December. Um, and the wage growth had actually exceeded inflation, and it was the fastest rate we've seen since 2005, which is interesting. So I, I, I'm wondering what you think of that, Vincent, because, I mean, you you said that the wages uh, have not surpassed the, the inflation rate, but... but I mean, mostly, mostly. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, 
according to this, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, wage has wage has exceeded inflation, but yet we still we still see the wages that wages are stagnant, which is which is really interesting because well, if, well, it's because even though some like especially big companies like Amazon have recently raised yeah, the minimum and wage, Walmart too, Walmart yeah, too, from especially from a lot of pressure from uh, Bernie Sanders and Ro Khanna, we still see that the since the federal minimum wage is so low. There's millions of workers that are making less than ten dollars, less than nine dollars a year, and they're they're working full-time jobs. So what does that mean? That means that they can't afford insurance, um, and they can they can barely afford the cost of living. And we think, and I think that we have that's a problem that we have to fix. So I, even though wages have grown more recently, it's really that federal minimum wage that's concerning to me. Yeah, well, that's that's definitely an issue that、uh, President Trump needs to. Bring up in his 2020 campaign,、uh, you know, because I believe that that you know the the wage or you know stagnant wages and、uh, the demand for unskilled workers and all that stuff are huge, huge challenges for Trump in 2020. Yeah,、and、I think I think that he needs to get his that he needs to you know get on track with these sort of things because yeah, Trump Trump did good things, Trump did bad things, but I think in order for him in order for him to you know. Have you know probably the best chance of winning 2020, getting reelected? I think he needs to address these issues. Yeah, that's a really good point because so you look at the 2020 Democratic candidates, and we'll talk about this more in probably the next episode, right?、Uh, I think the Democratic Socialism. Yeah,、episode. we'll probably yeah, talk a little bit one, on、yeah. Democratic、um, candidates for 2020. But assuming Bernie Sanders runs, he's gonna push the rest of the field left. So all of them,、uh, many of them, are going to be running on Medicare for all, fifteen dollar minimum wage. So Trump's going to have to find a way to combat that, right? He's going to have to find a way to keep that Rust Belt, who right now is actually struggling,、um, and he's going to have to promise them that he's going to make life easier for them. And so it's going to be interesting, especially in the debates. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I can't wait for those. I, I really can't、debates. wait. I cannot wait for those.、Uh, but、uh, yeah, so. Definitely challenges for Trump. Definitely, because you know we saw principal wage increases.、Uh, the 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 real big wage increases we only saw occurred the lower and the upper class. And I'm sure Vincent that you, that you're gonna say that the upper class, you know, wage increases were due to Trump's tax cuts.、Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The tax benefits,、um, the ninety percent of the tax benefits went to the top one percent, and that's kind of you know. Yeah, that's that's an issue that we can bring up、uh, another day. Um, but uh, you know, also tackling unemployment,、uh, Mitch. I'm sure you can agree with this with me on this. But unemployment is at its lowest、yeah. rate since 2000. Would you have the percentage on hand right now?、Uh, the unemployment、yeah. right now,、uh, I can look it up. But so,、uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So the thing about unemployment, obviously, I want people to be employed, and I want the lowest unemployment rate possible. I often see like a lot of conservatives.、Uh, Often point to that rate as being one of the lowest in history, and saying, "Oh well, Trump's economy must be great."、Uh, as of right now, by the way, sorry to cut you、mm-hmm. off, but the current unemployment rate is three point eight percent. Yeah, so that's good. But so Obama left office with about, I believe, a four point eight, and so I mean, you could you could make the argument that Trump has just followed the the you know the unemployment decline that Obama started. But obviously, that's that's tough to tackle. Well, yeah, that that is tough to ca- to to tackle because,、um, as you know, Trump actually、uh, he he deregulated a lot of the labor markets and a lot of the the industries, which I disagree.、Uh, with, you know, because because、uh, you know Obama regulated a 
bunch of businesses into the dust. But that was, which the, was you know, that was I believe in regulation. Well, because you got to keep the big, yeah. big corporate corporations in, in in check, really. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like, um, you know, he he put so much regulations on things that you you'd see. You'd see a lot of medium to to small size businesses, you know, uh, basically fail. And I think that I agree with these with these with the deregulation. Obviously, Vincent doesn't, but I think a, a huge reason why why the unemployment is doing is the unemployment rate is going down at uh, such a good pace is because with Trump deregulating the markets, uh, businesses are able to hire more people, give more raises. And you therefore develop more. And with Obama era regulations, I think that we would see a steady unemployment rate at Obama's. You know what was Obama's at? Four point eight. Four point eight. Yeah. So I think that we would see a you know a steady four point eight percent unemployment rate if Trump had not been in office. Yeah. No. You know, I really disagree with deregulation, especially you look at Wall Street deregulation. That's just playing into the hands of the wealthy elite, right? They're they're making money off of it. The lower classes are—they're not gaining from it. Obviously, it's just—it's just the the top percent people are just stealing all the money. And yeah, so like I said, unemployment's really good. But bottom line is, Trump hasn't done enough for um, covering people with insurance. Twelve percent of of Americans being uninsured—that's a crazy high number. So you go outside, you can pick one in about one in ten people. You can yeah, break well, their you leg. Mean, you would have thought You would have thought Obamacare would have done better. Well, it it. it it got millions of people that previously were uninsured insured, and I think that was the right step. But the biggest step that needs to be taken is Medicare for all, which we'll talk on <laughs> next week. That is definitely going to be a, a hot topic yeah. next week. But uh, you know, getting back getting back to unemployment and jobs, um, in 2018 last year there were 264,000 manufacturing jobs added, and that is equivalent to 12.84 million workers, and that is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. The last time we saw that kind of jump was in was seventy years ago. Seventy years ago, and I think that that's all a product of deregulation. No, nah. I mean tell me tell me how tell me how twelve point eight four million workers is not a good thing, Vincent. Come on. Well, yeah, but you, you failed to. Oh, I'm not one hundred percent sure on those numbers, but in Trump's this first. This the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Okay, yeah, well, in, his, the in Labor his first in his first year of presidency, he outsourced about ninety thousand jobs, and I know it's still uh, a net gain. But, yeah, but Trump hasn't been able to keep. Remember, he said he would keep those um those factories. He would keep them here. He he would make sure that they don't get outsourced. But we've seen plenty of outsources going on, and I don't know. Trump Trump hasn't done good enough on that part. But I I do like the unemployment rate. But we don't know for sure whether that's on Obama or if that's on him. Well, I mean, we both have def we we definitely both have differing opinions on that for sure. But um, you know, in the twelve in the twelve Midwest states, in twelve Midwest states, unemployment fell to three point six percent. And in December, three hundred twelve thousand jobs were added, which is which is more than the twelve point eight four million workers that we saw in uh, in in uh, was it last year? The manufacturing jobs, sorry. But and also manufacturing grew by seven hundred fourteen percent. 714% visit. Can right. you believe that? And that's all a product <laughs> of deregulation. I'm telling you, Vincent. But wages are still stagnant. And, you know, we we see things differently. And so I'll point to this, right? If, if you just do a basic Google search for American unemployment rate, there'll be like a chart. 
And what we see is starting from about 2009 when Obama took office to now, it's just a gradual decrease. So even economics have a hard time pointing out what is the cause yeah, well, of certain I, yeah, things. You, yeah, you bring up a good point. Economics is actually very hard to Because decipher. we see like a straight gradual line down, and it's starting from when Obama took office. So would you, would you say that that's Obama's um, ca- causing this low unemployment rate, or would you say it's Trump's deregulation? It's really hard to point out, right? Well, okay. Well, I, I think that definitely it, there is a trend, but I think that under Trump, the process has superheated. I'm not so I, sure. I think because Vince, I brought up Obama regulated a bunch of businesses into the dust, and I think that really, you know, if Obama didn't do that, I I think we'd see an unemployment rate that was lower than today. That's for sure. No, Trump's deregulation only encourages outsourcing, and then, and the main thing is, even if you have a job, right? There's mil, there's yeah, well, there's hundreds of thousands of people out there who have a full-time job, a full family. But they can't afford the cost of living, and that's the biggest. That's the big issue here. So Trump has to. I think Trump has to be able to find a way, especially in the 2020 campaign, to make to, to make it seem like he's for these middle class people or how lower class people. Because if he's not able to do that, I think the Democratic candidate candidate will be able to pounce on that fact. But I think Trump will be able to point out that unemployment rate. And he's going to yeah, really the, rally up his base. So. Yeah, that's definitely a strong, strong talking point for him in uh, in 2020. Yeah. Uh, you know, bringing up, bringing up some of Trump's uh, campaign promises, we've got the government shutdown going on right now. And, you, you know, it is a huge stalemate over a border wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. I just wanted to get your opinion on the government shutdown. So what do you think? It's really unfortunate. I think, I think nobody wants the government to be shut down, but the two sides have different... Um, solutions to it so I obviously don't believe that there should be a wall I think that's unnecessary and I don't think that five billion dollars of funding should go towards it now obviously five billion dollars isn't all that much right relatively speaking but I just don't think that a wall is necessary I think it would do more bad than it would good I don't know about you yeah um, when it when it comes to the topic or the issue of the wall um, you know, that's really, uh, it's, it's a touchy subject. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, you know, part of me wants to say that, yeah, we should build a wall hashtag, you know, God bless America, all that, you know, patriotic stuff. But, uh, you know, um, the other side of me is, is this wall really necessary? Um, you know, uh, when it, co- when it comes to the topic of the wall and, you know, Trump's proposal for four, for $5.7 billion, um, I'm sure you're aware of this, but it, it, it pales in comparison to the $46 billion that was granted in 2006. And the proposal was actually granted by Chuck Schumer, Senator Chuck Schumer, one of the strongest advocates now against the wall, which is Well, which yeah, is I've seen a lot of people point that out, but it's like at this point, whether you can say whether or not they really believe they really believe that they don't need a wall if they're just going against Trump. Most liberals at this point don't want a wall. And so whether or not they had a change of mind or if they're just trying to please the public, I don't think that really matters. And so I just I don't think a wall is necessary. I think there's better ways to go about it. And I think a wall personally looks bad, right? It closes off the country. A wall looks it cl- bad. Yeah, it makes you look like a isolated Does country. Does the Great Wall of China make China look bad? Well, it didn't work. We know that. We know <laughs> the Great Wall of China took years to build, and it was ultimately unsuccessful. Yeah, well, you know, Vincent, they did not have 21st century technology well, it's a pretty, to aid them. Well, it is a big wall, though. But. Yeah, but, uh, you know, uh, the $46 billion that was granted in 2006... 
do you think that 5.7 billion dollars is too much or too little i don't think the price like i said the price isn't the issue five billion dollars um relative to the u.s government is nothing right like yeah you know it, it's actually yeah it's it's, 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 it's literally it's nothing, nothing. Yeah. it's literally like pennies but the bottom line is a wall to me a wall would be a net negative than it would it would do way more bad than it would good and i just a wall here let me let me explain so a wall right we know that the majority of illegal immigrants the majority of illegal immigrants in this country are not people that came in illegally through the border yeah that's true they came in legally through their visa and then it expired once they were here so what we need to do is we need to focus on providing a pathway to citizenship we need to not deport people that just had expired visas because trump himself is making it much harder on immigrants to get um their documents renewed so and then drugs right you guys like to point out how um the majority of drugs in america are caused from that pouring over from mexico but no i mean it, it is a huge problem yeah it's but a huge problem. yeah but most of that most of those drugs come in legally well not legal <laughs> not legally <laughs> oh, they come gosh. in through the legal checkpoints it's not like they're getting sneak snuck over from the parts where well, I mean, you, can't, no wall. You, you can't deny that there's definitely drugs that are crossing the the not through legal ports of entry but through the terrain that's Unwall. But I think that's less of a problem, and I don't, I don't look. If you build that wall, it's not going to stop the drug crisis. Yeah, well, come on, Vincent. The drug, the drugs that you're allowing to get into the U.S. through the unwalled portions of of the U.S.-Mexico border are drugs that are going to go t- into a teenager's hands somewhere in California, and that kid is going to overdose on it. Well, here, I, oh, I'm sure we're going to talk about this next week because uh, this next talking point is a big thing about when it comes to democratic socialists. But what about you end the war on, on drugs, right? So you you can you make it legal, right? And I'm, um, and I'm not talking about. You talking about like cocaine and meth, man? Yeah. So the, that's kind of that's iffy, right? But you make you make more drugs legal, and you, you end the war on drugs, so you can regulate it, and you take it out of the control of the gangs. Because we saw in the prohibition days, once pro- prohibition happened, what, where did all the alcohol go? It went to the mobs. So then they controlled it. Crime rate crime rate went up. Deaths went up. So if we legalize more drugs. And the government can regulate it, tax it. That's a big thing. They can tax it. Then we don't have to worry about the gangs bringing over drugs from Mexico. Because then what would be the point when drugs are already legal here? Yeah, no, but the drugs we're talking about, Vincent, we're talking about cocaine, methamphetamine. Of course. Uh, you know, ecstasy. Yeah. We're talking about uh, marijuana. Marijuana is, well, I think marijuana should be legalized. Yeah, well, you know, no that's, doubt. That's, yeah. that's another topic. But we're talking about those four, those four, Big drugs. There are other drugs getting smuggled, but those are the four predominant ones. I believe in 2015, uh, 90% of cocaine was being smuggled through the southern border. There was also 89% of marijuana was getting smuggled through the southern border, along with, I believe, you know, uh, a few percent of other drugs. And you cannot deny that with an unwalled portion, a person can walk through there with that, or a, a drug mule can walk through there pose as an immigrant family, get into the U.S., and then distribute those drugs to dealers in, you know, the Bronx or in California or in Arizona, in Tucson in, or whatever. And those drugs will end up in the hands of a 15-year-old teenager boy who's who's a high school student studying chemistry or biology. And when he does those drugs, he's going to overdose and boom, his life, his life is over. S- sounds like a familiar guy. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, I'm kidding. But, um... 
I think what we can do is we can improve border detection without a wall. There's other means of doing that. And but like I said earlier, most of the drugs come in through legal checkpoints. So a wall wouldn't do much because you still have that. Yeah, well, the $46 billion dollars that was given 2006 was supposed to stop that. Well, but we they didn't end up building that huge wall. They built up a few small fences here and there. And yeah, and they like also that. hired more people and implemented more technology. Yeah, and we can do that. But then, the, but the biggest thing is we've come, we've learned that it's really about ending the war on drugs. That's what would do it, right? Because once you legalize it and you regulate and tax it, then people would no longer be, you know, bringing in the gangs would no longer be bringing it in from Mexico, and it wouldn't be as much of a problem. But are you are you seriously considering legalizing cocaine and methamphetamine? Among yeah, other drugs. You, but you would have to do it the right way. Okay? You would have to... Have, you, no, you're, listen, you're, you're, you're not, giving me a headache. You have, to, you, you have to do it the right way. You have to make it extremely regu well-regulated. A high, high, high tax rate. Right? So it's a very expensive. But the point is, even if it's just... Even if it's legal and you make it very tough to... You make it just tough to get, then then the, dr the gangs are out of it. You completely get rid of the gangs. You get rid of the mobs. And then they're no longer in charge. There's no longer a black market of drugs, where people who want to get their hands on drugs could it could be a bad a bad supply, and they could die from that. But but visit visit you, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, imagine the entire country on cocaine. No, but no, that wouldn't happen. Why would the entire visit? Why would the entire country go on cocaine? Because you're promoting its legalization. N yeah, but we ha you, okay. You know. The, the usage of cigarettes has gone way down in recent years and recent decades. Why? Because even though it's still legal, there's yeah, a because of vape. There's a well, okay, well that's a different thing. There's a very high tax on cigarettes, so it's much more expensive to get much much more expensive to get now, right? You think people are not gonna buy a box of a, a pack of cigarettes just because you have to pay a, a you know an extra dollar or or no yeah they still will but it disencourages it right. And then, especially if you make drugs legalized, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying you put this into the hands of everybody. It would be very reg well regulated. It would be a quote-unquote smart legalization. Um, people that are gonna get it anyways, they're, they're, they'd get it from the black market if it was illegal. Now they can get it in safe condition. They know that it's like <laughs> it's gonna sound like good quality crack. Okay. <laughs> 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 oh god! Oh, you got it. Okay, oh. that was that, that was a joke. But you got to make it. You got to be smart about it. And I think it, it really would help, because like we saw in the prohibition, once alcohol was e made illegal, right? Then everything got worse. People, there's way more deaths a year from alcohol. Uh, gangs became more powerful. So you just got to take the power away from the gangs, and that's that's gonna, that's what's going to end the war on drugs, not building a wall. Awesome. So, uh, you, hey, uh, to all you listeners out there, uh, catch me next week at the uh, local CVS pharmacy. I'm <laughs> going to be buying some crack. I'm going to go ask for a prescription uh, for some cocaine and some methamphetamine. And uh, I hope it works out. But uh, It would be very well regulated. Uh, well, yeah, pray to God it'll be you know well regulated. But, uh, you know, uh, in recent news, uh, there's also been a startling development between the U.S. and North Korea. Um, basically, I think next month, Trump is going to be meeting with the leader of the North Korean regime, the wonderful Kim Jong-un. He's my favorite world leader right my now. My favorite. 
Yeah, Justin Trudeau, Emmanuel Macron. Yeah, you guys can get, <laughs> get out, out of here. here. Yeah, it's Kim Jong Un's time. Kim Jong Un. Jesus. But uh, yeah, and this this whole issue brings up Trump's foreign policy because Vincent, I'm sure I'm sure you're aware of this, but uh, but North Korea after the peace talks or the summit in Singapore, uh, it appeared through U.S. intelligence that. They started nuclearizing again. Yeah. Or, and or their stockpile increased. Of course. And this is really concerning, right? Because, well, I don't know if I bought into it, but a lot of Trump made a lot of people think that after that one meeting in Singapore that everything would be fixed. But we've learned in prior years and prior talks with North Korea that you can't just trust them on their face value. They're going to... North Korea always has something up their sleeve because why would they just denuclearize? They have no incentive to do it. If anything, we... You know, all we did was we said that we would end war games in North Korea, and then they said they would denuclearize, but that wasn't realistic. And so we know now that their stockpile has increased. We know that their stockpile has increased now. Um, and so this is going to be an interesting meeting. I don't know. I don't know what you think about it, but I'm actually really intrigued to see what Trump says to the media about this too. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be in Singapore again or. I think it's Vietnam. Uh, is it Vietnam? I, I believe so. Yeah, so uh, you know, I, I I don't know if it's gonna, if, uh, how it's gonna work out, but uh, you know, I I I'm sure that Trump is gonna is gonna you know, he's he's gonna he's 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 gonna affirm America's stance on this issue, because denuclearizing North Korea opens up many opportunities for the U.S. in in especially the Asian continent. Uh, yeah, well, it just makes the world a safer place, really. Because they're, yeah, they're the it one makes big us threat. A, it yeah. makes us a God. safer place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, um, definitely uh, this meeting needs to go well. Uh, it needs to. It, it definitely needs to go well. Because uh, how many opportunities do you think Trump has left to meet with Kim Jong-un? Because <laughs> uh, definitely a, a, a rare occurrence. Right definitely a rare occurrence uh so i mean honestly i think i think we all kind of know how it's going to go down we we'd like to hope that something really good gets done but i just think it's going to be a rehash of the first meeting i think there's going to be empty statements empty promises and we're going to come back feeling a little bit re reinsured and then the next year we're going to see through cia intelligence that nothing's changed right um and that's unfortunate but i think that is one of that is the most realistic thing to happen um, but hopefully Trump can prove me wrong, and hopefully they can strike some sort yeah, of deal. Yeah, I know that's for sure. Uh, I I hope I I'm sure that and I, I'm sure and I hope that President <laughs> Trump can really can really address this issue. And you know, this is another key campaign point right here. Right. Um, if Trump can mm -hmm. really strike gold with the North Koreans in this next in this next meeting in Vietnam, like that is a major win for him, especially on the road to 2020. Trump would have a lot of firepower in he every would. in every single debate in 2020 if he got. And by some miracle, he got major progress done with North Korea. Exactly. Because he could point to the other candidate and be like, what have you done? You've done nothing. Exactly. I've denuclearized North Korea. I think it's a stretch, but I mean, this would make up... If Trump was successful at this, I would have a much more positive outlook on him um, than yeah. most people already do. Yeah, this, this, could, this could actually really water the flames of sectionalism in the U.S. if this thing gets through. Uh, because, you know, uh, you, and, you and me both could agree. Yeah. That if this, that if this, you know, if this goal is reached, right. then we can definitely see uh, bipartisan support uh, for Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, maybe not on well, other issues, but definitely uh, yeah, def on this on, issue. But the thing is, if Trump goes into the same approach he did last time, which was, 
um, I'm treating you as my equal. And I know it's weird that you, you should do it, but we've, we've seen that that's kind of led to problems in North Korea. If he goes in with the same approach, I think that things could backfire, right? And that, I, I am kind of worried about that. But like I said, I just think a whole bunch of nothing's going to happen in the meeting. And uh, Yeah, well, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully President Trump and I uh, prove you wrong. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this whole foreign policy question also, also brings into, you know, the issue of Russian collusion, yeah. you know, especially the U.S., because you see a lot of uh, uh, a lot of leftists uh, bring this issue up. And uh, it's really uh, to me personally, I, I don't see any evidence. I'm not denying that there was some Russian involvement, but uh to me i don't see any evidence that trump colluded with russia at all in this in this election well so i mean obviously we know from like indictments and things that robert Mueller has come out with that there was some sort of russian meddling no right? there was but i mean those those indictments were were just you know financial yeah. crap well, like tax fraud tax evasion well i mean that's that's an, like a, that's another thing but so for me personally the question isn't whether or not russia was involved but whether a Trump knew about it, and I think that's a that's the biggest question. But then also B, did it affect the election? Right, like if they weren't involved, would Hillary have won? That kind of thing. Yeah, true. But you know, technically, technically, uh, collusion is actually not illegal. Technically, well, there's no statutory definition of collusion. But it, you can it can you can interpret. Yeah. Depending on the thing, yeah, you okay. can interpret it but, as treason, right? Yeah. No. It, actually, the closest thing to it is conspiracy. Yeah, that conspiracy. One, yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's not illegal for uh, for Trump to uh, or his campaign to solicit information on his his opponents. Um, but uh, the only time that it would be illegal and that would it, it would deem worthy of an indictment. Or in uh, or persecution or uh, prosecution, uh, only if there are underlying uh, underlying criminal activity. Uh, for example, like actually hacking the DNC, yeah, or hacking Hillary t Hillary Clinton's campaign, yeah. But from from what I've seen so far, I've I've seen I've seen none of that. Uh, you know, especially with the uh, the fake Russia dossier that came out from the from the former MI6 agent Steele. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, Mueller uh, simply indicting people for financial crimes. I'm not really seeing uh, whether Trump, uh, you know, whether Trump fully knew that there was Russian collusion and that it affected the election outright. Well, I mean, a lot of those indictments have been more than just, like, financial crap, but... Um... I think there is evidence to suggest that Trump was involved, but it's not rock solid at this point. Like, no, it's definitely not enough to make any conclusion. But like we said, when we talked about the whole BuzzFeed thing, like, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I'd actually be like, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I just wouldn't be surprised if Trump, if it was found that Trump had known about some sort of Russian collusion. And, but obviously there's nothing to prove that now. But I, I do think that, um, especially some of the Robert Mueller's investigations has come up with um, he's kind of secretly mentioned what could be interpreted as a Trump figure as Trump in his uh, some of his special reports 
But at this point, it's really just a matter of guessing right now. Like, while we let the people do their job. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I, I really do think that's important for Special Counsel Mueller to, to definitely share his findings with the American people. But yeah. you did bring up the BuzzFeed controversy, which... Uh, do we, we explain yeah, that earlier? Yeah, we, we talked about that, do, yeah. Do we, do we explain yeah. it, though? I think so. Yeah, we went into that yeah, pretty so, good detail. Uh, yeah, so basically... Oh, yeah, we did, yeah. But, uh, yeah, basically that whole controversy, that whole controversy is, uh, is an example of... You know, uh, political hits against Trump, I guess you could say, for, for Russian collusion. And uh, we've seen it time and time again. And, you know, exact, or these kind of cases have been refuted over and over again. And by, the, especially these financial crime cases that leftists claim that is evidence of collusion. Uh, I personally think that it's a bunch of bullcrap. Especially, okay, well. especially with cases like the BuzzFeed case. It, you know, it failed attempts from the left to accuse President Trump of basically, uh, of basically being, uh, uh, what? How could you say it? A, a illegitimate president. Yeah. Well, I just there's just, there's been so much um, shadiness or so much co- controversy around Trump and on those on the basis of Russia and Trump's kind of been suspicious, right? He's he's always acted suspicious when Russia's being is brought up he becomes very defensive and sure you could say that's because you know he doesn't like being falsely accused but i just think there is why well, I, I personally would yeah would would do the same as president yeah Trump. but i would just be like well fine then here's everything right i'm i'm guilt i'm i'm innocent here's look at everything but trump's been very you know he's been very closed off about um russia stuff well i think i think through his policy trump has definitely been better on russia than that obama has in, uh, in, in, in his administration because, you know, Trump ordered airstrikes in Syria, which, which basically killed, you know, hu- basically hundreds of Russian soldiers. Uh, uh, the annexation of Crimea happened under Obama's nose. And we caught Obama talking with the Russian Prime Minister, Dmitry Mezbedev, and he was basically telling, the, telling him that he would give Russia more flexibility after he gets reelected. Well, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about Obama stuff in episode four and coming on February 11th. Hopefully we get that out on time. Um, I don't think both, I don't think either president have been, were particularly good on the, on Russia, but I definitely think that the idea that Trump was by far better than Obama or better than quote unquote any other president in history on Russia, <laughs> that's that, you know, that's kind of absurd because um, he's been very close with Putin. He's, he's tried to release sanctions on Russia. Um, and his whole foreign policy thing as a whole has been not as tough as he says, right? Like, they weren't very tough on Saudi Arabia after the killing of the journalist. Yeah, uh, the, Jabal Khashoggi. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I I do think that, that Trump not talking uh, about uh, the, Saudi, the Saudi Arabian incident with Jabal Khashoggi. Uh, if, you, if any of you guys were to wear, uh, Jamal Khashoggi was a columnist for, I believe, the Washington yeah. Post. He posted a few, he written, written a few articles on that. Yeah, yeah. but uh, basically he was, uh, he was ambushed at the Saudi embassy. and uh, Tortured. Well, yeah, he was, it was in Turkey, right? I'm not sure where it uh, was, but. But yeah. yeah, he was basically caught and he was tortured and he was dismembered and killed. Yeah. And the CIA uh, has come out and they made it clear that it's, that it's their belief that. It was the crown prince of Saudi Arabia that was behind the calling of the murder, but Trump hasn't really 
there's been some small sanctions on other um, leaders of Saudi Arabia, but the crown prince has gotten away scot-free so far. Yeah, pretty, pretty gruesome. But from an economical, uh, from an economic standpoint, I I do think that it's smart for Trump not to not to issue uh, a statement on it, only because we get a lot of our oil from from Saudi Arabia and the Middle East, and we also we also do a fair bit of arms dealing. Of, ar- yeah. of arms dealing with them. I, I get and, that, but I just I disagree with the fact that we should let that get in the way. Like, we shouldn't be able to... I don't think we should stand for a country that commits acts like that. Um, I think that's a bad look on our part, that we're just going to... We're going after the oil. We're going after the weapons. Um, I, I actually think that, that... I actually think that looks really bad on Trump, but... But, uh, you know, we can all interpret it, you yeah. know, uh, uh, differently. But uh, if you guys want to hear our opinions more on, you know, Obama or Trump, uh, you guys, you guys are going to get a taste of that in next week's episode. Uh, definitely in episode four, which will be airing on what, Vincent? February, February 11th? 11th. And yeah, we've actually got quite a we've got a we've got five other episodes besides this plan. So next week we got Democratic Socialism. We got gun control and reform the following, then Obama's presidency, like we said. Then we got c- climate change, which should be an interesting topic. And the biggest one, I think. I think this is a good one to close off on the first six. February 25th, the topic of abortion. Yeah, that's definitely. Ooh, that's <laughs> definitely going to be a heated one. I hope we don't get yeah. too loud or obnoxious, but. Yeah, but. Uh, it's an important episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah be sh- also, guys, uh, once again, be sure to tune in. Uh, next week on uh, January 28th, I believe, uh, as me and Vincent were going to be talking about democratic socialism. Vincent himself is a uh, socialist. D- uh, democratic socialist. <laughs> Actually, I mean, call me whatever you yeah. want. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, that's definitely a heated topic yeah. between the both of us. I uh, think next week's episode will be very um, informative for you guys. Yeah, uh, democratic socialism sounds like a big word. Uh, but you know, hopefully, by watching next week's episode, we can dissect yeah. that for you guys, and uh, hopefully, I got hopefully you guys get a get a better understanding. Well, um, see you guys. This is the first episode of the Political Penny, uh, a trend that we're gonna try to start at the end of every episode. We're gonna try and set some goals for you guys uh, for for the coming week. Um, you know, we try to do something positive because the whole philosophy behind this podcast is to not let your, you know, political opinions or opinions uh, as a whole uh, kind of deter you from your relationships or, you know, ru- ruin friendships. Really, yeah. Because we see, like, a lot of people have strong opinions uh, on certain topics. And I don't think that you should just, what, Vincent, like, not talk to somebody yeah. for, like, a whole week. Especially if they're in your family. I know that's a little bit tougher because you're closer to them. But just, you know, if someone's... Um, dead set on on a belief or a mindset it's their belief man leave it alone you guys can talk about it but at the end of the day you guys are friends you guys are family and we shouldn't change that yeah awesome well guys you know for for the first goal the first of many goals for the political petty vincent what do you think we should do i think they should hug their opponent i don't know about you that's a strong statement that is uh you know i'm gonna piggyback off of that and i'm gonna agree with you Hey, to all you conservatives out there, go ahead. If you know somebody who's a liberal, or with their permission, of course, mm-hmm. with their permission, Absolutely. consent is necessary. <laughs> That's very important. <laughs> consent is necessary. But uh, uh, in all seriousness, if you know a liberal guys out there, go ahead and give them a hug. And uh, if you're a liberal and you know a conservative, I don't know. Why, just, why not give them a hug, you know? Yeah. It doesn't hurt. Yeah, you know, it, it's... it's 
it's it's not the it's not the worst case scenario you know uh to you're not gonna to spread positivity uh you know it to, to any liberals out there hey us conservatives we're human too yeah right, right back to uh, we like uh, we like the avengers we like <laughs> star wars we like lasagna we like we like the same things as you do, guys. Hey, honestly, if you know, unless you're talking about politics, it can be hard to tell sometimes when you're just yeah. talking about everyday things. <laughs> yeah, you never that's, know. That's, that's definitely true. But uh, with that, guys, that is obviously going to be the first closing of the political petty. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in today on January 22nd uh, to episode one of the Trump administration uh, in the political petty. Uh, I want to thank you guys so much for giving us a listen. Once again, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, download us on SoundCloud, and listen to us on Spotify. And with that, I'm your co-host, Jensen Ahokovi. And I'm Vincent Jones. And thank you for tuning in to Episode 1 of The Political Petty. Been taking my time when they speeding off writing and signing these deals they supposed to. I don't get motivation for something I want to pursue. Spitting hotter than toaster. Saturday grinding, I'm better off.